You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. This week's episode is split into two sides. This is Side A. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your co-host, Armand Wake Up. You can follow me on Twitter at Armand Wake Up, A-R-M-O-N-D, Wake Up, all one word. More important than that, please follow the official Clock Radio Speakers Twitter handle, which is at CRS Podcast. ClockRadioSpeakers.com is powered by Tumblr. You can find all of our previous episodes there as well as on iTunes. Make sure you vote, rate, um, and comment and subscribe to us there. I have not checked to see if we've reached 75 um, comments yet or reviews yet. Let's check that right now. I was going to say, I suppose I could go check that. Yeah, let's 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 see what's popping. Percolating. Yeah, man. Uh, hollerating in this dancery. Fifty-eight. Okay, so we are a little. Are we seventeen away? Yeah. So seventeen reviews away, we will do um, a definitive fifteen on uh, intros. That sounds like a crazy episode. So I kind of want y'all to do it because I want to do that episode. So. Go to iTunes. Thank you to those of you who actually like created an account just to leave a review. That's amazing. Thank you. And uh, yeah, what's up, Doc? I think that's I think that's a uh, fourth district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to fourthdistrict.com. We appreciate it as always. Um, uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, everybody can follow me on Twitter if they want at doc underscore beats s nine z. But like Armand said, more important than that, follow the show. Um. You know, I'm just sitting here drink, drinking some some herbal tea, relaxing. Word, word. Chilling, um, all, chilling all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of school. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, been co- it's been cold and rainy, so, you know, at least okay. it's not snowing. Yeah, we got, a, we, got a tif- we got a tornado warning on Saturday. It's been hot and rainy the last few days. Y- y- y'all got a tornado warning in the middle of one of the most exciting college basketball games of, of the year. No, Doc. No, 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 no. Not in the middle. Uh, right, I'm sorry, right in the middle of like the key part. No, 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 no. The last 15 seconds of the game. <laughs> that was the key part. <laughs> like we missed the three. We missed the three to tie it and we missed the jumper uh, on the elbow to win. We missed all of that. It, that's hilarious. It was it's legitimately like the um, the Charles Barkley commercial with Samuel L. Jackson and Spike Lee. Like power went out. Power comes back on one of the most incredible endings to a college basketball game in the tournament. And we missed it. I have seen way too much Charles Barkley and yes. way too much of the AT&T direct TV commercials with the guy doing the renditions of Aerosmith's don't want to miss a thing. It's like, listen, enough, <laughs> enough. The worst part so is kn- I know there are people in this country who are, who are like, when those commercials come on, they're like, yeah, I love this. I love that commercial. Yeah. It's, it's water cooler talk. You see that AT&T commercial where the guy sings the Aerosmith song? It's hilarious. Stop. It's so totally happening. Oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. So, do you have a uh do you have a clear-cut winner for the uh the final four? Um I heard somebody say this uh on a podcast I was listening to. I think it's a good point. Um I feel like UNC shouldn't have won that game. Mm. And so sometimes you got you have to have a close miss as a team. Mm. Uh, you know, like they, they got their, they got their near death experience out of the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about like, I don't know the, the way the refs just decided that they wanted to be the most important aspect of that first half. Um, Oh yeah. They were doing, they were doing Kentucky super dirty in the first half. And, uh, you know, w- even if you're a UNC fan, you have to acknowledge like that was a close escape. Right. So. Absolutely. Um, I kind of like UNC a little bit. I would like to see Gonzaga, I think. 
<laughs> I, I would like to see Gonzaga just from like a if you think about like how college sports are organized like the ACC never mind UNC the ACC alone has plenty of accolades plenty of championships for Gonzaga granted they're stretching the definition of a mid-major but they are still a mid-major like they're not in a major conference like for them to win would be incredible yeah and so from that point of view because at this point I don't like any of these teams anyway so at this point I'm like let's go for that yeah yeah, I mean, you don't like anybody not named UConn. That's about right. That's crazy. Why is that crazy? So did y'all did your did your women win? Is it is the women's uh, tournament over? Nope. Uh, they're going. They final four next week. Uh, it's coming up weekend as well. Uh, UConn women won last night. Um, so they're they're heading on to the final four. And so that's uh, you know they had a. <laughs> Let's say they had an easy path, but, but like, you know, the first two games were literally on campus. The next two games for them, so the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight were in the state of Connecticut. Um, so, you know, <laughs> they, they've been, um, they so far they've been in front of essentially, you know, home crowds. So now they get to actually, to actually you know, go out of state for a bit. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but yeah, they're, they're definitely the favorites to win. Um, at this point, it would almost be, you know. Like UConn fans are, we watch this and like I think I said this last episode. Like we we get nervous if this if it's like below twenty. Like we're not up by if we're not if we're only up by like ten fifteen. Everyone on ESPN's like, whoa, hold on here. Yeah, that's that's weird and it's very um, pompous. <laughs> it's pompous. Oh oh oh, we're down twenty. Time to clutch our pearls. There's a lot of pearl clutching. <laughs> I do live in Connecticut. <laughs> Oh jeez, boo! Boo. Okay. Um. Well, how about you, man? Uh, you do you have a clear cut winner on the men's tournament? Um, South Carolina or South? Yeah, South Carolina really impressed me. Um, they're my heart pick. Mm. My, I really want them to win, sort of thing. Maybe for the same reasons you want Gonzaga to win, like, you know. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, they've never really been there like that either. Um, I lived in Eastern Washington when Gonzaga was like the team, like the Adam Morrison era. Oh, so you're like, nah, <laughs> I actually was shocked. I was like, didn't they make it to the final four in like, oh, seven or something nah. like that? But I guess not. Um, yeah, I, my heart says them. Reality probably says UNC. I think you make a pretty good case. You know, they're pretty much going to be playing uh, heartless because <laughs> they shouldn't have won that game. I mean, South, so, Car- South Carolina's defense is ridiculous. Yes, it is. And I really, really, they make defense really fun to watch. They do. I mean, I, I do worry. I mean, I don't think they play too physical of a style, but I wonder, you know, at some point in this tournament, are they going to run into a ref crew that is like really aggressive on them? Right. Do they have the depth to handle that? I'm not really sure. Right. And this is going to sound, this is going to sound really like petty and shallow, but like, I also like, I have a natural bias towards teams wearing Under Armour jerseys. I think that Under Armour jerseys are universally ugly. Are you kidding me? I'm right not now? even kidding you. So, like, I look at the Carolina jersey and I'm like, the South Carolina jersey, and I'm like, that's terrible. It's just terrible. You, it's not as bad. Me? It's not as bad as the Notre Dame jersey, which is just awful. And I'm so sorry, Under Armour. Like, I don't even know what y'all are doing. But like, you don't notice that? Like, you look at Under Armour jerseys, and I'm just like, I'm embarrassed that they're wearing this for them. No, and as fashion conscious as I am, no. <laughs> no, I remember, do you remember when it was a big thing that like when Nike lost the uh, the, the NBA contract? And yeah. so who was making swingmans after that? Was it Reebok? 
Maybe. And then it went to Adidas. Adidas. And Nike's getting and it back. Now it's back to Nike. Tale- and that was like a big deal. People were not wearing jerseys or buying Swingmans because they weren't made by Nike. For me, it's not even so much the logo. It's Nike's. I just feel like they actually they under like they have a better design aesthetic. Never mind the Under Armour logo is just is, is ugly. It's terrible. But I'm, like I, yeah. But I don't think like I don't really think that Under Armour gets design yet. <laughs> I agree. So, you know, because it's funny, like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming most schools operate this way, but like, so UConn is a Nike school, but they have like what they could have like tiers. So like the Nike stuff is the best and the most expensive, but like Under Armour will make some Nike stuff too, but they're like, I'm sorry, Under Armour will make some UConn stuff too, but they are one cheaper two they use cheaper fabrics and three, they just look like generic stuff that like you, that like your grandparents would have got you out of like the Sears catalog when you Listen, like, when you needed something for Christmas, and they're like, "He likes UConn." They <laughs> do not slander Russell Athletics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Russell Athletics is on the list. It's funny, my the the UConn shirt of mine that has probably gotten the most wear, and I can't believe this thing is still fully intact. Is this champion UConn shirt from like it's got to be twelve years old at this point? And I have worn that thing like so many games worn it to like do yard work worn it for whatever and not, there's not a single thread out of place on that thing i'm not champion makes insanely good quality hoodies i was gonna make some Kairos hoodies with champion logos but it got worn too quick <laughs> <laughs> so that it that didn't happen but no i'm not surprised champion uh champion stuff holds up really really well so i'm not surprised i'm not surprised um you want to talk about some music yeah, can we get into this? Uh, your your man, your man is coming out with an album. May, he's something's coming out, maybe. Um, I mean, according to according to the track listing that's floating around, it's a full album. So, Mr. Kendrick Lamar, yes, last week, uh, puts out just an image of uh, Roman numerals four, mm-hmm. and Alchemist briefly tweeted the same thing, and so people are wondering yeah. what's going on. Handful of people guessed Heart Part Four, and they were right. So, excuse me. So, Heart Part Four, uh, as the name implies, the fourth of the Heart series, um, mm-hmm. which all of them before they've all been like SoundCloud Lucy's, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, two. One was on the Kendrick Lamar EP. Two oh, right. Was on. Um, I cannot think of the project he put out before Section Eighty. Overly dedicated. Overly dedicated, and then three was a Lucy. Three was a Lucy, and now. It's funny, right? It's just the difference between when he put out three versus the streaming climate now. Mm-hmm. Why would you put out a, a SoundCloud Lucy now? Like this was an Apple Music ex- exclusive <laughs> for like two hours. For like two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny how this is going. But anyway, uh, hard part four. Man, ain't it? Uh, it's a two and a half slash three part song. I don't know. <laughs> so I'd say two and a quarter. Two and a quarter. Two and eight. Two, <laughs> two, two and a quarter part song. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The first part is produced by THC and uh, Six Sense. Um, that middle eighth is produced by Alchemist, and then the last part is produced by DJ Dahi. Um, oh man, I meant to talk to you about that second part. We have to talk about it off. I'm sure we do. <laughs> no, 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 not not that. It's just something of a friend of friend of the show. Okay, some stuff and things and things, but I can't announce it on air. Okay, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. So it's. Not just a three-part song, but it's what he's saying on the song. 
and possibly who he might be going at. Not quite, you know, control, but, you know, Kendrick's taking yeah. some shots. Absolutely. Who's he taking shots at? Uh, definitely heard a Drake shot. Um, it's saying a big Sean shot. Um, I, it's weird. When I first heard it, I thought I heard a Jay shot. And then I listened to it again and couldn't find the shot. <laughs> that made me think he was going at Jay. See, it's just those two, right? Definitely some, definitely some Drake. Um, I think so. But he's not really naming names. Um, what? A passive-aggressive shot from a rapper? I'm shocked. I am shocked, sir. So, aside from, you know, passive-aggressive shots, all the different beat switches, everything else, I'll just ask you right up front. How do you feel about this song? Um, It's cool. It's cool. I don't love it like everybody else does. Okay. Um, Three is my... F- oh, it's weird. Yeah, three is probably my favorite heart. Two is really, really close. Um, I probably would put this above one. And maybe because I didn't hear part one until I heard two. Okay. And maybe three. And maybe three. But it's cool. I love the Alchemist part. Alchemist part is super dope. The second part is super dope. Um, first part is all right. But it's cool. He's rapping. He's not incoherent. No robot voices. Um <laughs> You know, but it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I, I I would say I think it's good. I'm not yeah. blown away by this. Yeah, agree. Um, apparently Kendrick put this together. It came together over really just a couple of days before it came out. Um, so it's not like this was some sort of he didn't like really spend a ton of time. You know, I think this was just kind of like a little hey, I'm coming. Yep. But because it's called the Heart Part Four, you know, for 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 uh, you know. Longtime Kendrick fans, that that brings a couple ex- that brings some expectations. Absolutely, absolutely. Three is incredible. So and, yes, definitely. And it's not that this is a bad song or anything. It's cool. It's good. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I would just say it's good. It's yeah. Kendrick rapping. Like I'm, I I think it's interesting that like there are three very different styles of beats going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so no real potential clues as to what his sound is going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's really from Kendrick. That's the most fascinating thing I'm waiting to see like from him, like what's his next move? You know, if it's true. So the, you know, the song mentions um, April 7th. And so that's essentially next Friday, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So if it's true, April 7th, he'll have a new something. Be funny if it's just a single, right? That'd be kind of funny actually. Um, But if it's really true, you know, if it's true that it's a whole new album, I mean, does he continue you know, it's Pimp a Butterfly. Is he going in a different direction? Have you heard anything about this? Like what? I, I've, I've heard nothing. Right. I've heard nothing. I, we speculated um, last year. We had a year in. We I think we did predictions. I think you and I said that Kendrick wasn't going to do anything this year. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, yeah, and we were wrong. Right. Um, but you know what? Him coming out this soon actually kind of makes sense. Do you, do you think he kind of got lost a little bit in the uh, in the in the in, in, in the drakery? No, I think that to pimp a butterfly. I think he needs to move on from to pimp a butterfly quickly. And you know, you and I both agree that that, that was a great album, but um, the climate is completely different than what was going on a year and a half ago. But a lot has happened, mm. so there's plenty to talk about. So I expect something lighter but i expect something very heavy <laughs> such a rapper i know well i'm not okay so what i mean what i mean by that is, <laughs> shut up. i'm not i'm not expecting like you know 
I remember you was conflicted. And like, I'm going to unravel this. I'm going to unravel this poem throughout the course of the album. So, and at the end, you think it's, this, it's an interview with Tupac. It, uh, no. You, you think the structure will be lighter? Yes. Okay. The content will still be heavy, but the structure will be, will be just straight up music, I believe. But there will be some deep, you know, it'll be like J. Cole's album, where like the J. Cole fans were like, yo, this isn't about him. It's about a friend. And then he commits suicide at the end. He's so genius. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude, did you hear what he said? He said, I'm heating up like leftover lasagna. Oh, my God. It'll be one of those. Well, that was terrifying. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, you know, you can't outfart him, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're almost certainly going to be talking about Kendrick in two weeks then, correct? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I mean, but is that, is that a, okay, I know I'm saying this on air, but like, yeah, is this something that we do like a live episode for? Is mm, this something we do an mm. emergency episode for? Or do we keep the streets waiting? It's a good question. I, nah, I say we keep the streets waiting. Okay. It's. I feel, I don't know, now that it's a switch to, uh, you know, it's a switch to Friday right. releases, that makes it yeah. a little easier for us. Sure. You know, we get a weekend to digest and then we can talk about it a little bit. I, I agree. Yeah, because we were literally like, <laughs> stuff will come out like on a Sunday or something like that, or something would come out on a Tuesday. We were still having to rely on, you know, other means. And, right. Yeah, and now most, for the most part, those other means don't, that doesn't really happen that way much anymore. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. That's cra- that's that's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's completely gone. The internet, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, I mean, okay. I guess let's talk about these Drake shots. I mean, we we touched on them, but we didn't really go into it. So, does this mean anything? Like, do you think Drake is going to respond? Do you respect the shots? Like, and I mean, then, and then the random Big Sean shot as well. Like, what's up with that? Um, right. I mean, considering that he guessed it on control, which is really kind of funny. Right. right. Um, Maybe he was mad about that whole getting washed on Holy Key. <laughs> <laughs> that could have been it. And I'm waiting for the hard part 4.5 where he takes shots at Armand. No. Um, I think Kendrick, um, he, I think, I don't know. I, I think there's a part of him that really is like just conceptually bothered by the concept that Drake might really think he's better than him. You know, like there are some, like, I don't know, like if you think about like I was, we was, we was making comparisons to the, to the NBA, right? Like there are some NBA players who like think they're the best player in the league, even though they're like probably like the hundredth best player in the league. It's not one of those situations. It's like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like I'm guessing right now that when Westbrook is out there playing against any other point guard, even like Harden, who's having an incredible season, like he's just completely offended at the concept that somebody else could win MVP. Yeah. Right. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say Kendrick is, is Westbrook or anything like that. But like, I think in a sense, like, yeah, Drake is incredibly successful, but like for Kendrick, he, he just like, out of all the people, he's like, no, no, no. Like it, you know, he's not like, I, I just don't think he's going to let that, let that fly for Drake. Hey, I mean, interesting. You compare him to Westbrook because there is the Westbrook line. On right. Track. And I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that, but yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about somebody who I think, you know, I think Kendrick, wants to be and I, I get it like he wants to be like seen as like the undisputed best out sure um, sure so then what about sean uh i think sean actually said might have said a couple things in some interviews if i remember correctly um mm-hmm. 
yeah. So yeah. like on Big Sean's, he had a song called No More Interviews where he, yes. uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. So, uh, you know, a couple shots. So there. do you think that, you think it's two different things where like Kendrick is appalled at Drake being the greatest, but then he actually feels threatened by Sean because Sean is like sneaky good. He's the, he's the guy who, um, you know, well, okay, we'll use like, so say Kendrick is Jordan. He's like Gary Payton or something like that, where every time he plays him, you know, he has to work harder to have a good game. Or maybe Payton kind of shuts him down a little bit. Right. But sorry, sorry, Seattle fans. I was going to say much like Payton, like, you know, Sean hasn't won a championship, if you want to put it that way. Right. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. We're like, but real, real hoopers know that Gary Payton was a great player. Right, right, right. Um, um, but like on the grand scheme of things, Big Sean is not in greatest discussions like maybe not like he should be we're like greatest now best now because he can rap he can um he can definitely rap i think um i don't know i think i think kendrick i mean it's funny right because um you know his first quote-unquote real album right good kid mad city was universally regarded as an incredible album his second Mm -hmm. album the critics and most people loved even more Mm -hmm. like what i'm like what like People think he's the best. Like, I'm just trying to, like, it's almost like, I, I don't know. I think in a sense, someone like Kendrick, he needs, he needs that motivation. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think just because this came about, you know, a couple of days before the, you know, like this, the song only like was really in the works for a handful of days, you know, Drake was out, Drake was hot, Drake was saying stuff. So he's like, all right, all right. I don't think it's much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. Anything else you want to say about Kendrick before we undoubtedly will go in depth in two weeks on Kendrick Lamar, assuming that there is an album? I mean, more life. More, <laughs> more life. Okay. I th- yeah, I think, uh, man, I was going to say something about, about Drake. Um, you know, well, I'll say this though. People consider Drake to be one of the greats, even with the controversy, even with the ghostwriting, even with his character and even with all the other stuff, people still consider Drake to be the guy. And it, it kind of is the Jay and Nas of our time, um, where these are people who are considered to be two, in two completely different spaces trying to occupy this top spot. And they both deserve um, or each side can argue um, why they deserve that top spot. And maybe neither one would be wrong. Uh, I um, I, mm. I, uh, I don't see it as the Jay and Nas comparison. I think that's. Yeah. To me, it's more of just a continuation of the, like, there were a number of people, and I think I'm still in this, I'm I'm partially in this camp at least, or somewhat in this camp, who would consider Kanye to have had, he he might have had the best run of any rapper, period. Like, his discography might be the best. Now, if you think that means he's the best, like, does that mean he's the best rapper, you know, as in terms of actually rapping? No. Does that mean he has the best musical output? Like, that's a really interesting conversation. Like, the more... And it's funny, right? Because the 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 sort of combination of hip hop and R and B and pop starts with somebody who we're definitely going to reference on the show today, right? I mean, not starts mm-hmm. with, but Puff played a huge role in that, obviously. But like, the closer we get to that, the more that hip hop borrows song structure from pop, or artists feel comfortable being like Drake and just completely singing on records. Like, the more we get to that sort of world, is it how good you can rap? Is it your musical output is it a combination of the two like it used to be pretty cut and dry right um it 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 used to be that if you were a really good rapper 
And with a few exceptions, like there were always, oh, you know, Raskast, great rapper, didn't really ever have good beats. But a lot of the times, you know, like Nas was a really great rapper and Nas had some really great music. Like it's getting more complicated because I think it's in a sense, like it's weird, right? Because it seems like it's more accessible than ever to make music. But that really just means that the bar has been risen, right? Regarding production, regarding song structure, regarding output, regarding everything. So it's, is it enough just to be like, I'm a really good rapper? And even if you are like, I'm a really good rapper and I picked, and I pick really good beats and it's like, all right, well, are you making really good songs? Like as expectations for what good hip hop consists of changes, I think expectations for who, who is the best changes along with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. It, it, it's one of those things where like maybe different, there's different uh, categories for different artists um, where maybe one person gets, you know, he gets high, higher. It's like Jadakiss. So Jadakiss is considered one of the greatest because people like his lyrical output. But maybe he doesn't get in as far because he doesn't have any, anything else. <laughs> you know what I'm like maybe he doesn't have the discography. He doesn't have the hit records. He doesn't have, I mean, he has longevity. But, you know, there's there's just a bunch of stuff that goes into why he's not in the discussion. But for some people, all that matters is his 16s and his guest appearances on other people's records. This is and my like, fourth my, album. My fourth album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, then it's somebody. So then it's like, well, if you compare Kendrick or uh, Jadakiss to Drake, people are almost like offended. Where they're like, how can you compare Jadakiss to Drake? Jadakiss comes from a certain era. And that means X, Y and Z in actuality. If we judge it off of the same criteria, Drake is has done more than Jada. But it's kind of I don't think people would be willing to have that conversation. And I just use Drake as an example. Um, so, yeah. And I think that probably goes for Kendrick and a few other people with maybe some rappers from previous generations that are considered the best. I'm very curious to know in the next 10 years, 15 years, when the next generation comes, when we're hearing a bunch of like Kendrick clones. Um, do we have Kendrick clones now? Logic too soon. Logic, logic too soon? is a logic is freaking <laughs> James Sung, yo. Like logic don't know who he wants to sound like. He's like uh, J Cole, Lamar. Uh, like he's just a bunch of people. Uh, um, I was I was thinking of somebody else, but I don't know. But you know, in the next ten years, so how are we gonna look at Big Sean? How are we gonna look at some of these other people outside of? I think that, I think there's an interesting Big Sean Jadakiss parallel, actually. Like Jadakiss can just use the same flow on almost any kind of song, and he still sounds like Jadakiss. Like I think in ten years, Big Sean could still use the quote unquote Big Sean flow, and it'll sound exactly the same. Hmm. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. Dare I say, if you want to use that comparison, I'm taking Sean over Jada for um other things like criteria um diversity i think i mean frankly i think big sean's made better albums than jada kiss ever i was gonna say uh discography you know what i'm saying like so there's other things that take him over the top but are you saying (laughs) there are people screaming right now (laughs) okay that's fine um you guys listen to the show and we thank you (laughs) But like, is is one of those things where like at the end of the day, if Sean needs to much like Jadakiss, he can fall black, fall back on like a default flow. And there's definitely a big Sean style of rapping. Yes, and I think that he, I, I feel as though as Big Sean gets older and ages, and like if he's called in to do a sixteen, I feel like assuming it's the right kind of tempo, he could still just 
get like do that same flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he doesn't need, you know, so many of our favorite rappers that we idolize and listen to growing up. Like they need a certain like they need a high enough BPM to get like their head nodding in the right way and to get that flow yeah. out. Big Sean's sure. not going to have that problem. Sure. Sure. I agree with that. Okay. So that. now that we somehow went, <laughs> we somehow looped in uh, Jada Kiss and Big Sean, um, anything else you want to say before we talk about the, the, the main attraction here? Nah, let's, let's get into, let's get into the, uh, the man of the hour, the man of the hour, ladies and gentlemen, the notorious B.I.G. Um, so we are now just after it's just been just over. This is an amazing number. 20 years since the release of life after death. We old dog. I know. I know. We are old. Um, so when life after death came out, I was 13 and you were what? 12, 11, uh, 12 going on 13. Yep. Yeah. So what we're going to do here is we're going to revisit the, even though we, we did an entire three part bad boy retrospective, it's got to be like seven hours of bad boy talk. <laughs> and, and if you haven't heard it, like you kind of have to. And first of all, if you go, if you do go here, I want to apologize for the sound quality. I'm sure it's terrible, but anyway, um, we've come a long way, doc. Right. Ironically on this show, we're going to have some sound quality issues. Too. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, uh, we decided to get a fake tornado and my internet's not on. So, you know, we're making, we're making it do what it do. Right. Isn't it? <laughs> hey, listen, if you ever used to regularly use, make it do what it do. And you follow me on Twitter, please unfollow me. No, no. <laughs> the exception is if you are a fan of the show, which hopefully you are, cause you're listening, we welcome you. Thank you. Everyone's welcome here. <laughs> Even if we make fun of you sometimes. Um, so, what we want to do is we want to revisit Life After Death. We're going to do it CRS style, which means we're going track by track. Um, we're assuming most of the people hearing this have heard it. So we're not just going to track, track by track, but we're going to try to put into context the album and sort of re- say, okay, not just how does it hold up 20 years later, but even sort of maybe try to imagine, hey, what happens if, you know, given modern like technology, streaming versus CDs and stuff like that, would anything had been different about the rollout for this album or, you know, imagine an alternate reality. Now, I can't wait to talk about this later where, you know, what happens if big doesn't die? Like what happens to the reception of this album, but what are the down effects from there? Um, but we're also, obviously we're not just going to go big picture like that. We're going to go track by track. Um, I, like I said, uh, if you haven't heard the bad boy retrospective, you definitely will, will enjoy that. I have I did not go back and listen to it. So if I repeat stuff, um, I apologize. I'm going off a completely different set of notes. So hopefully we have that going for us. It'd be, it'd be funny if there were songs where I'm like, yeah, I still love that. And now it's been like, that was like four years ago. And now I'm going to be like, nah. but we'll see what yeah. happens. Yeah. So where do we want to start? Um, so uh, did, did you go back and listen to any other big before that? Like, or did you just listen to life after death? Um, just life after death. And honestly, what I did was, is I, 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 I normally don't in, <sighs> I normally don't take in a lot of other people's commentary. Mm. I think within the last year to two years, I've been very conscious of everything that I take in um, down to people's opinions and perspectives. But this year with Life After Death turning 20, I actually went out of my way to sort of read some things and listen Mm. to things and, you know, get some different perspectives on how other people perceive this project. Um, just because I wanted to know if the impact of this album, as grand as it as it is, 
Was it justified or embellished? And if it was embellished, it was. How <laughs> embellished was it? Mm. So I wanted to do that because I wanted to try to, I'm always wanting to see other people's perspective on things. I like to look at things holistically and in its totality and from different perspectives, even if it's perspectives I don't agree with. Um, and I wanted to just intake that in because I know how I feel about this album and listening to this project, maybe one or two things stood out that probably didn't before um, or didn't as much. But other than that, I still probably feel the exact same way I felt about it when we did the retro. Okay. So let's just start track one, which is the intro um, produced by, I mean, produced by, right? There's just a lot of like clips and stuff from, you know, there's part of Suicidal Thoughts in there. There's sound effects. Um, you've got Puffy doing his, hey, yo, big um yeah the end of suicidal thoughts yeah, yeah, right um and then and then there's the who produced this is uh, this stevie j the life of death intro yeah yeah it's puffy and stevie j of course it's weird i can like i'm beginning to point out specific hitman records it just sounds like a stevie j production lots of uh what's that noise that shh, lots of those oh. <laughs> um you know lots of wind blowing <laughs> Just very, very big. We got too much living to do. And then like, and then he flatlines. It's just, oh, it's so bad boy 1997. It's right. It's, it's big. No pun intended. Over the top. C cinematic, right? That was what they were going for. Yep. Um, and the first out, like his first album also, right? Had that kind of intro, which I mean, it's no secret, you know, bad boy kind of jacked that from what Dre was doing on death row right where like skits were not just skits but like they were you were meant to feel like you were sort of dropped into this world mm -hmm. right and to the point where like on track two somebody's got to die where there's like sound effects all over the place especially like the first part of the song you're like all right just just get out of the way so i can hear big rap you know yeah um but uh so somebody's somebody's got to die uh produced by nashim merrick uh six july and uh and puffy um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say and puffy on like half these because you know turn that hi-hat up a little bit yeah <laughs> but you know what though puff is one of those guys where if i don't mind him getting that credit no i mean he musically yeah he, he had a very particular vision of what he wanted to hear so somebody's got it it's funny right like at the time it's if you weren't listening to hip-hop it's really hard to explain what it was like to have big die and then the only thing that really we heard before the album was Hypnotize. Yeah. Which, you know, big budget video, everything else. Yeah. And then... But the first time we saw the questions... Oh, right. The, the Alan Iverson, they were... when they Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden this album opens with an intro like this, with the song Like Somebody's Gotta Die. Mm -hmm. It was disturbing, to me anyway. Like, I think... It, go ahead. I was going to say the, the first thing that you notice off the rip is Big's voice. What do you mean by that? It's completely different. How so? Um, well, one thing you remember about Ready to Die is that the first half of the album, uh, the story is, is that the first half of it was recorded when he was an artist on Uptown. And so Big's voice is distinctively higher and uh, he's a little more erratic with his uh, with his style. Um, and then between 1993, which is when the first half of the album was recorded, wasn't released until 94. And those three years, 
Big got like a level of confidence. Oh yeah. Pretty much said, there's other, th- I don't have to be in your face to let you know that I can rap. He was more calm. It was story. It's something that Jay has definitely picked up on because Jay, um, in the same, and honestly, in retrospect, ugh, I I don't want to say if Jay got that from Big or vice versa or whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised them being around each other kind of did that because on ninety in ninety ninety five Jay's the same way. Original flavor, can I get open in my lifetime? But then to hear can't knock the hustle, him and Big are like neck and neck in terms of the same style, very laid back storytelling. Um, you know, the, the power is in the words and in vocal inflections and tones versus I'm yelling at you and I'm rapping really loud. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that, that is an, that's an, an immediate change. And then just even from opening the album with a fictional story. Right. is different. I, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you say that, that some, part of that change even happens on say who shot you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who shot you is what? 95? 95. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And somebody's got to die. Still dope record, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything stick out on the, re- on the re-listen here? Um, all of the, spoiler alert, all the storytelling songs on this album hold yeah. up really well. Hmm. If not sound better now as, as a man in his early 30s listening to these records that are 20 years old. It's like a good story. It's it's when you you have a story with your friend or an event or something or something your your grandfather your father tells you and sometimes you tell them like hey can you tell the story when blah 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 so you've heard this story a million times but you just love hearing it right what all of these stories sound like and Big is just I think he's he's regarded as one of the best um, storytellers of our time in hip hop history okay so yeah. Let's talk about hypnotize. Um, yeah, I know you in singles, right? Yep, pretty much. So, the the way this album opens is really it it it's interesting, right? Because before this, were there any hip hop double albums, but that of note aside from All Eyes on Me? Um, no, because uh, yeah, All Eyes on Me was ninety ninety six. All Eyes on oh, Me was okay. February ninety six. Okay, yeah, January, February, something like that. Yep, you're right. Um, no, because uh, Bone Thugs was 97. Forever was 97. Um, I feel like there were. I'm sure there were. It's probably like some No Limit stuff. That was probably a double album. But no, nothing nothing comes to mind besides uh, Pac. So, like, to see how All Eyes on Me is, like, structured, mm-hmm. right, where, and I might ruffle some feathers here, like, the first, uh, the first disc is more to me it's packed but the second disc is mm, there's some parts where it kind of varies and um i that structure is whether consciously or unconsciously f- mimicked fairly well here um with the exception of i think the opening run of this album is again whether purposely or not purposely i like to think that puffy was pretty purposeful about how he sequenced things um he yeah. is trying to show off all the stuff that big can do yeah right open with the cinematic intro uh great storytelling track and then we're gonna shift gears totally and he's gonna do um you know this just immediately obvious smash record um with yeah with what is and i i forget the sort of how really great bad boy bass lines were right this is a bass line sampled from 
the Herb Albert record rise. Like it's, so it's not an original baseline, but like bad boy records, especially like the, you know, during this era, especially during the verses, right. They're dropping off all the extra instrumentation. And in a lot of cases, it's really like, like maybe the primary melody drums, the rapping, but then like it's anchored by this baseline, right. And this song is about the, like this, the baseline anchors this song. Right. And it's just, I remember hearing this and it's just like immediately obvious. It's like, Oh sure. Of course this is a lead single. Yeah. Right. Um, it's produced by, uh, Amen Ra, Ron Lawrence, uh, Puffy, D Dot. Wow. I know. Amen Ra, where has he been? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, to me, Hypnotize is, what am I going to say? It's an instant classic. I know every single word to this song. Yeah. You know, if you're a hip hop fan and you were listening to hip hop in 97, you know every word in this song. But, Armand, when we, when I started my, what is now got to be a two minute long rant about this song, um, <laughs> You kind of get eh, does not it not it's classic. It's, it's classic. a perfect song. Yeah, it's a perfect, song. It's a perfect like, song. I've just heard it six million times. That's all. That's <laughs> all. But there's nothing negative to say about this record. The video is classic. The song is classic. You make a really good point about bass lines. Um, while I'm working on my album, um, I'm noticing the difference between getting you know a producer. Uh, playing a sample and actually getting a bass player to, you know, mm. to play on the beat. Like it just feels different. Um, and bass lines just, and I, I dated a bass player and she really explained to me why, uh, like, like Tribe Called Quest, right. they have classic bass lines. Um, and I think with a lot of music, bass is uh, an unsung hero. And so I think you make a really good point about the bass line on Hypnotize because that that's the melody was the funny part it really is just right. a stab and a baseline a groove with some drums on it um but it completely works and yeah cla- classic perfect song nothing bad i can say about it i've just heard it way just heard it a lot that's it right the only other thing i want to say and this is this is obvious to say but i'll say it anyway because it's such a common like thing that makes bad boy work is and you know, Puff uh, Big is almost sort of um, purposely calling it out on the end of the second verse, right? Where like, here's this really like obvious radio single, gl- like a glossy hook. Like this is the beginning of the shiny, not the beginning. This is like almost peak shiny suit, not quite. Peak shiny suit comes like summer '97, September '97, right? But and it's the announcement of the shiny suit era. Can't nobody hold me down. Might be the announcement of it. Because that mm. came out like just before, which is incredible, right? That they put out Can't Nobody Only Down like a couple weeks before this or whatever the timing is. But um, uh, I'm going to disagree with you. Oh, here's why. When Can't Nobody Hold Me Down came out, first of all, that record is hard. <laughs> like, <laughs> that record is hard. Listen to that record now. I, like, I, listened, I listened to No Way Out twice this week. <laughs> that is a hard record. That yeah. is a hip hop rapidy rap record yes um it's just got a you know glorious Stefan sample i think that the shiny suit era had not quite yet been identified at the time mm. so i think when you kind of begin to see more flossy things it's a good 97 word right <laughs> more flossy-esque um <laughs> i'm sorry um like you begin to hear that but it wasn't quite identified but people were kind of saying 
you know, there's something really bright and <laughs> over the top and pop about this record. But I don't think it was overt. It still was like hip hop. Oh, yeah. Life After Death has two records that where Puff says, oh, no, no, no. Oh, We're getting really shiny because there's, really the announcement, this, it it wasn't called the Shiny Suit Era until the Mo Money, Mo Problems video. That's what I was just going to say. That's the declaration of Shiny Suit, era, yeah. of shiny suit Season, right? Mm-hmm. Shiny <laughs> Suit Season. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Can't believe nobody ever made a mixtape called Shiny Suit Season. That's... I'm sure it's somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely is going to be an interlude on your next album. Um, listen, listen, I've already got the track listed. I'm just going to slide that in somewhere. Um, yeah, but no, uh, what I was saying before is like what what Big and, and Puff, the reason why they work is because Big is sitting here rapping about like tying up someone's daughter in a Brooklyn basement. Yeah. But on this kind of beat, it was that like merging of worlds that always made it work. Right. It's, and it's what every, it's to me what most rappers who tried to then quote unquote sell out, if you will, when we were still using that term in 97 or when they tried, when they called in the hitmen for their shiny suit season, you know, record, they forgot that, that lesson from big, which is the, the shinier, the beat, the harder you have to rap in a, <laughs> in, in a sense, right. You know what I mean? Like you have to give it something like, it can't be the whole yeah. song, but like you have to have something in there. I mean, he did that as far back as. I mean, I want to say one more chance remix, but like he's not, you know, it, I always think of, you know, making moves with Puff or like that. Woo! Hey, don't play. Making moves with Puff. That was the coming out party for Puff Daddy on the low. That was a Puff Daddy video. Craig Mack is kind of rapping, but like Puff is in the rain and I believe he had an umbrella in his hand dancing with fake lightning going off. That is the Sean Puff Daddy Combs coming out party. Um, but yeah, so that, that point has been made before. I'm not the first person to make that point, but it's so like obvious on this album, right? Um, you know, you get, you know, sure. Like he's going to talk about, you know, hosing, hosing and why I prefer, you know, onto DKNY. Like he's going to talk about women. He's going to do that, but then he's going to immediately be like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm going to rap about all this other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what am I going to say? Hypnotize. It's a classic. It's a great song. Yeah. Okay. Now we get to talk about. One of our favorite intros ever. <laughs> Look, I, here, I actually, I have a nitpick for the kick in the door intro. Oh my god, Doc! What is wrong with you? Why what? are the why? Why is the volume so low? Every time I have to turn it up, and then I have to quickly bring it back down as the primo beats start because I don't want to blow my speakers. No, listen, it's a classic intro, and in a sense, it was almost too classic because. Then we got the Mad Rapper stuff out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I feel like they didn't. I feel like they the, that blowing up. They didn't expect it. I, I also think it's just a legacy of this album where there are so many things about this album that became idolized in a way that maybe didn't deserve, or even if it should have been held highly, people took it almost too far. Mm-hmm. And so there are so many aspects of this album where I'm just like, you know, do, how do we, you know, would we really think about this in this way if you know to be morbid like if big didn't die and this album didn't take on this sort of you know legendary thing i don't know i mean yeah. i think the intro to kicking the door i mean first of all i mean it's great it's it's incredibly like memorable and uh, of course i know every word but kicking the door itself this is an interesting record to hear now because mm. there are a number of songs on this album and this might be one of them where i'm like 
I don't know if I. This song's getting a little long. Do you feel that what? way? Yeah, I don't know. I maybe not kicking the door, but there are some other records on here where I'm like, okay, you know what? Actually, I love that. That was a great example. We'll talk about I love the though later. But there are definitely some records on here where I'm like, this didn't need to be five minutes. You know. Anyway. What? You, am I crazy? Yes. No, this album. Listen, this album could use some editing. That's not crazy to say, is it? Uh, very minimal editing. Hmm. Okay. Well, we could talk about I, that as we go. Even the things that I don't necessarily, even the songs I don't necessarily like, a lot of them, I see their necessity. Hmm. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not mad at them being on there. Kicking so, the, I mean, kicking the door is, is great. Yes, it is. Um, maybe it's, is it one of those things where because the first two verses are so good? Yeah. I was going to say, I, I almost think like, the, the way he structured it like and actually the the first to me the third verse is good too actually but the fir- is. It, the first verse actually the way the first verse opens even like absolutely he it starts off it's just so strong like yeah but i love kicking the door like i've listened to this so many times like i can't even tell you uh this is primo not quite at the height of his powers but pretty much at the height of his powers like this is an incredible primo beat um I have nothing bad to say about this song. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I uh, agree. Just I mean, came out shooting. So shot at Nas, shot at Ghost and Ray. Where's the shot at Ghost and Ray? Um, Hold on. Let me look. I don't remember, but I know there's a shot on there. Because hmm. this is the response to Shock Bodies, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Took home. Well, right. There's the, you know, MCs used to be, uh, you know, took home, ready to die, listened, studied. But to me, now they on some money, you know, successful at the blue. Like, I took that more as a as a non shot than anything else. But There's some J Ru shots in there as well. Mm. Oh yeah, you forget about J Ru. Yeah. Um, no. Nah, his flow on here, biggest flow on here is just completely ridiculous. The beat is um just completely ridiculous. Um, it, it it's one of those things where as an MC and I'm sort of getting into this space, uh, cheap plug. Um where you know you're in a vein, mm. but you don't have to announce I'm in a vein. You just show and prove. You just say, give me the ball. Throw a beat on. I'm going to show you the vein that I'm in. And that's obviously where Big is. Big develops so much as an MC, the, the, just the little technical aspects. Because I'm, I'm not so sure his content really changed. Right. Um, it, it, it grew. It got more. I mean, I'm, saying, I'm using this word, but I don't mean it. Like, it got more mature. I don't mean mature in terms of what he was talking about, but maybe how he was presenting it. Right. Um, but there's such a confidence that's just oozing from Big on this whole album. You could tell that he was chomping at the bit, that he had a really good three-year run, and he was like, I cannot wait to do this new album and to put it out. Like, And it's just evident all over this album. Yeah, and yeah, his flow on this, I mean, this he's just... Like I'm sitting he's here, dan- he's dancing. He's dancing all over this, all over this beat. Yeah. Um, he's dancing all over the album, but like this beat, he's really, yeah. It's so effortless. That's the thing with Vic. Like his flow is so effortless. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, right? Like he definitely, I think, I think he got better as a rapper. I don't know if I would tell you that Life to Death is better than Ready to Die. I think that's an interesting conversation. But that is, we'll have it at the end of the show. But I think Big was carrying more weight for bad boy in 96 97 yes 
like he was writing for Kim. He was writing for Puff. You know, yep. he put out the Junior Mafia. He, he, you know, he he put out. I mean, without him, that Junior Mafia album doesn't exist at all. He's doing I mean, if you know if Puff needs a sixteen to launch whatever you know yep. new R and B group, Puff's you know yep. Big's got to do that. Oh, and by the way, do a double album. Like yep. Big's holding a lot. Yep. And even yep. amongst all that, we still got a great album. Like it's a, it's kind of yep. incredible. Yep, I agree. Okay. Anything else you want to say about kicking the door? Other than that, nah, I love this record. Nah, look. Yeah, now nah, let's move one, on. One of the great samples. Absolutely. Have, have you ever heard anybody really try to, I mean, it, it's almost, it's almost the point where like, I'm trying to think of someone who's sampled the, the Screaming Jay Hawkins record in a different way. No. Like it's almost too iconic. Like nobody wants to touch that. I've, I mean, I've heard people flip it again, but it's just, you know. Right. But it's just, it's almost like a, oh, watch me do this, but like not in a totally like, oh, here's a different like weight. Here's like a different part of the beat a part of that song even but like it's all right. like it's all riffs on this right it's yeah. not bob james nautilus it's not an ozzy brothers record it's not a isaac hayes record or a willie hutch record you know where people have flipped it the same way dozens of times and and they all sound different nope they all use the same primo flip and it's kind of like what other way honestly doc you're a producer <laughs> what other way could you flip that sample yeah it's a good question you know what offended me the most like I, I never forget this right not too long after this song came out. There was a Prangles commercial that used yep. the Screaming Jay Hawkins original. Yep. And I, there, you, I don't, I don't care what the official story is. There's no way they go looking for that unless this song comes out. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Let's talk. Um, F you tonight featuring Robert Kelly. Oh boy. Hey, shout out to, uh, Kelly Bakes. We did a really dope definitive 15. We, we did. On the Aura. Um, check that out at clockradiospeakers.com or go to iTunes, um, download the episode, and while you're there, leave a comment. <laughs> 75. We will do a uh, definitive 15 on hip hop intros. So, yeah, effing you tonight. Um, produced by uh, Darren Jones from 112 and Puffy. Really? Yeah. I'm. I'm. I feel like I said this the last time we reviewed that album. I know, and it's. I should have. You know, it's right. It's. I almost thought about going back and listening to what we did on that retro because when I'm when I realized that, and then I listened to this again, I was like, I was like, you think he's saying that ref? You think he's saying a reference for 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 R. Kelly? Oh, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. If he produced that, he totally did the song. Right. And Puff was probably like, Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's Puff's like yeah. You remember how we uh, we did the only you remix? For, yeah, okay. Here's what you're doing for us. <laughs> yep. Go ahead and uh, switch that. Yep. Um, so we had the intro, we had the cinematic uh, storytelling song, we had the obvious single, we had the really hard, you know, sort of slight disc record with you know the classic Biggie and Primo combo, and now let's bring in Mr. R. Kelly for which should be a radio friendly song, except they put a curse word in the title. Mm-hmm. So 20 years later, does this hold up? No. <laughs> and it's, pr- and it's probably me more than the song. Yeah. For I don't want as a grown man. I don't want to hear other men talking about having sex. It's like watching porn. Why would I watch other people have sex? It just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me. I- I'm going to stay away from that one completely, but that's um, fine. I think this it, it, much in sort of the same way that Big and Puff melded. Okay, Puff's gonna make these really radio friendly 
or Puff and his guys are going to make re- really radio friendly beats and Big's going to, you know, sort of rap hard. Like R. Kelly's whole thing was, you know, sure, it's going to sound like modern R&B, but I'm going to be raunchy and very blunt and direct. And they're sort of mirror images of each other and almost in sort of a certain how they sort of approach that. And you get this. I mean, to me, that's like what kind of makes the song work, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it is blunt. It is to the point. But I mean, it's amazing. Like this album was so monumental. Like they tried playing this on the radio. <laughs> yeah, they did. Loving you tonight. They sure did. Um even though like you read the lyrics now and you're like, well, there's really just no mystery at all about what there's, there's absolute, like we've, we've talked about like how, um, uh, and really we kind of blame R. Kelly for this. Like there, there's just a lack of mystery in a lot of art and a lot of sort of sexually charged R and B. And that carries over to the song. Like there's absolutely no mystery here, (laughs) but I don't know if it's the nostalgia or whatever else, but this is a classic record. It's classic. It's a classic hook. I could kind of do, Without R. Kelly's bridge. I mean, telling another. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. I could. <laughs> B.I.G. <laughs> so really, there's no irony. <laughs> and I think even with it coming from R. Kelly, it's like, makes it even more like. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah i agree all right and i'll and i'll just and i'll just keep it there um anything else you want to say about loving you tonight no let's talk about last day okay featuring locks produced by yes. havoc stevie J, and puffy stevie J added the wind <laughs> and the chimes that's a, okay that's the, the chimes yep the yeah. wind and the wind chimes and those are 100 puff daddy drums and that's a havoc sample i'm i'm positive havoc probably used the same drums as um uh more trife life part two or something like that i really feel like is it wasn't it the, i think they had to reconstruct they had to redo this song hmm. the original version of this of this beat got like damaged somehow like the the actual reels got damaged so they had to redo mm. the record mm. um and so you know havoc came in with like a basically he he probably had like eight thousand of these sample flips on like his key uh, you know on his on a sampler um but um this is an interesting record um is it weird to say that it's classic but i don't know if it should be classic i was not a fan of this song until maybe like two or three years ago Oh, interesting. Why is that? Uh, I hated the drums. Oh. Hmm. I thought that sample was way too hard for those drums. Those are like R&B drums with a 1997 Havoc sample. Mm-hmm. I, I hate. I hated it for the longest time. Um, I finally warmed up to it, but it's still very, very okay. And this is also just another reminder that Big and the Locks Over Cream from 60 Minutes of Funk Volume 2 is absolutely incredible. So uh, who's got the best verse on here? Probably Big. This was so. Jada Kiss's coming out party. I know people say it's all for the love, but like um, this was like a oh, like he's for real. Like this isn't a one trick pony. I remember hearing a lot about Kiss after uh, this song. And yet, I think big. Oh, go ahead. You think, I was gonna you say think probably, it's big? Probably big. Yeah, probably big. Probably big. Then Kiss, then Chic, and then Styles. Because Styles was terrible in '97. I think I like Chic more than Jada on here, but I've talked. I've said that before about the locks. This is prime chic washing the other two members' locks, so I'm right. not mad at that. Right. No, this is um, this is a good record, but 
it's kind of regarded as a classic, right? Uh, that I, that I don't know. I almost feel like this album, if it's a good song, there's a certain percentage of people who just think, oh yeah, that's a classic song because yeah, sure. it's this album. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's the good, and that's the thing about classic albums. Like, you know, we, we talk about Omatic, you know, I hate one time for your mind. I'm not a big we, fan we, of Cashmere Thoughts from Reasonable Doubt. Mm. You know, every but every song, well, no, every song on Illmatic is, besides that one is classic. But is that the same for Reasonable Doubt too? Is every song classic? No. no. But it's a classic album. Sure. There you go. Okay. So I, I, I say that to say I agree with you. Okay. Now, um, the next song is absolutely classic. It's sneaky classic. It is sneaky classic. Um, I This intro could really get trimmed. Yep, I agree. But I get it. They need to transition from Last Day to I Love the Dell. Here's the difference where a skit works before the song to transition versus something like uh, Chris Rock on Rather You Than Me. <laughs> right. Where it, it's not necessarily, yeah, the Chris Rock skits are not good, but if they're placed differently, like if that Chris Rock skit is after Idols Become Rivals, it, he's not as annoying. Because hmm. you get placed right. on that is terrible. Part of it is just you could skip. just you can you can skip ahead too. That helps. <laughs> yes, agree. Um, right. I actually, I mean, I think I don't know if the skit is really that great. I mean, I think the on this album anyway, the best example of like transitioning from one to another is you know hypnotizing the kick in the door. Like that's because if you take away that skit, I mean, not even never mind the fact that you're missing a classic skit, but like that would be jarring. You know, there's a there's actually you know what going back and listening to these skits, this is probably the only skit where I'm like, eh. The rest of them work in terms of transitions. Going back to Cali, yeah, um, Nasty Girl. Oh, going back to Cali's graph. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. When we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, skip placement on here. This is 1997, so this is like prime skip era or right. skit era. I'm sorry, um, but yeah, this is probably the only one where it's like, okay, they're playing dice. But I get it. I love right. the dough. They're right. playing dice. Whatever. So you know, featuring Jay and Angela Winbush, produced by Easy Mo B. Um, Easy Mo. Okay. Yeah, easy mode, but I feel like there's got to be... Is anybody else helping out on this? <laughs> Maybe not. Probably. I think it's just easy I feel like it's pro- It's just... Actually, it's just It's just a sample. Is it's it just a, sample, a straight up sample? And and, uh, and what's called through some drums on it. And easy mode through some, uh, some drums on it. It's um, a sample. For the longest time, I, I, I always say this. I think it took me a while to realize how good Jay is on this. Yes. Yes. I, <sighs> Go ahead I'm, and say it. No, no. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's not Jay's like greatest version, anything like that. But like Jay no. is sneaky good on here. Absolutely. I mean, it's ninety-seven Jay. Absolutely. Um, how do you feel about this song? I love this song. Um, I think I said it on the um, that said on the retro. This is better than Brooklyn's Finest. Not so much. Um, but I think they're both great for different reasons. Yeah. Um, did you just throw something? No, that was my. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, Doc. I've said worse on this show. <laughs> Don't do that. Never forget that when we did the Wu-Tang retrospective, Armand sat here and told me he did not like the beat to Kamei. I don't. Ah. Still don't. <sighs> did you ever get that vinyl? Yeah, I have the vinyl. It's sitting oh, in my oh, office. Did you get the Cuban Links vinyl too? Yep, and the Liquid Swords vinyl. Of course you did. Okay, just curious. So this is interesting. So Marissa keeps telling me that I should get those framed and put them in my office at Yale. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, if you want to, well, you know, I'm not even gonna say if you want to scare everybody away. Like, I feel like some, I feel like some people would be like, "Hey, see, the Cuban Links and Iron Man ones, sure, the Liquid Swords one." Why? Because people, because people are getting killed on the cover. Yeah, like, because I have like people who work for me come in my office to have like meetings. You know, like we're doing like a one-on-one, and they look over the shoulder, and there's like the covered Liquid Swords. Like, that's not. <laughs> That's not I mean, you know, choose and you'll join me. It's 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 real out in the streets of New Haven, apparently. Um, Listen, man, I just I just want your phone. I just want your office phone to ring. Um, uh, fourth chamber. <laughs> I didn't just, want the ring. I just, just want to go. Dee, dee, I, yeah, I just need the siren and the synth. Just like yep, <laughs> yep, pretty much. And it being so hard, I uh, guess. Yeah. Um, I love I, the dough. I kind of wish they were doing. Isn't it so obvious that they should be going back and forth on the last verse? Yeah, but it doesn't bother me. What um, they, they do eight and eight, right? I think so. Or sixteen and sixteen, or twelve it's, and twelve, something like that. Yeah, it's like twelve and twelve. It's kind of long, but it works. Um, it works. But yeah, yeah. This this record is sneaky good. I think people, I think people didn't like it for a long time because it wasn't Brooklyn's finest two. Well, right. So it's not Brooklyn's finest two, and even though it's got this this sort of you know re- this sort of retro hook. It's not as immediately dope as the other stuff that Bad Boy was putting out in 97 that, you know, like it it sort of fit this weird spot, you know, like it wasn't Mm -hmm. full on shiny suit, but it wasn't Brooklyn's finest, but it's 97 J and big. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of hard to mess that up. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Let's talk about what's beef. Okay. Um, Nasheen Merrick, uh, 6 July. This is the... (laughs) The intro might be the best part of this song. <laughs> I, I I don't know what it is. I love I love that little intro. Well, with him talking, yeah, with the way the beat just the beat comes in and then you know builds it, up the build up is classic, right? Yep. And then and then Puff is like, you know what beef is? <laughs> <laughs> I think Puff definitely knows what beef is, but right. I digress. Um, do you think we would have ever seen a, a project by the Commission? Um. It's interesting because did the commission exist before the firm? Ooh. Oh, right. Is the firm just a... No, because the firm is affirmative action in, in July 96. Ah, uh-huh. You're right. So is the commission a response to that? Right. I don't know. It's a good question. Right. Never mind that he's sitting there, you know, kind of biting a little bit off what Wu-Tang did, you know, saying like, see, you know... Cesar Leo de Janeiro, like icebergs, like, you know, making it sound like sort of Wu Gambinos. You know, that's an interesting point. That sample is super risen. Oh, yeah. That's a great point. Um, so this would have been dirty and had like knife sounds. In it. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been like a lot faster. Um, <laughs> and maybe as we'll hear on, on disc two, maybe some ominous keyboards. Oh my god! Oh, don't get me started. Oh, I gotta fight see, it's now. it's too bad that we don't name the episodes after funny stuff we say anymore because ominous keyboard sounds would be that would be a great title. You know what? Go ahead, go ahead. Just no. for old time's sake. Um, so the commission would have been what? It would have been um, Uncle Polly is. I guess that's supposed to be uh, Lance uh, Un, but it's so. This right. is what. Puffy, uh, Jay, Charlie Baltimore, Lil C's, mm-hmm. and Biggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Rob's in there too, right? Black, Black Rob, Rob is, is 
Well, Black Rob, yeah, that comes later on, right? But Black Rob, yeah. they kept trying to put these groups together, right? Because remember, it was supposed to be before Puff Daddy and his family. It was supposed to be Puff Daddy and um, oh, why can't I think of this? What was the original title? It was Hell Up in Harlem, but it was Puff Daddy and oh, The Goodfellas. The Goodfellas, right? Which was Locks, Mace, Black Rob. Mm-hmm. He kept trying to put groups together, but um, anyway, I don't know. I think Commission is just one of the like the the problem with that lineup as he proposes it. You got two. You got. Only two people there are really, really writing their own stuff, right? <laughs> did C's write? Yeah, he did. Because he, yeah, he, yeah, he wrote. Okay. So, he wrote. Okay. He wrote for him. Yeah. Right. But Charlie didn't really write. Wasn't Cameron in the commission too or no? No. At some point, we yeah, the, the spinoff of like, I, you know me, I had to get extra nerdy with, with Marissa. And I'm sitting there. I was like, I was explaining like the drama around the horse and carriage video. Yo, your wife loves you, G. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I randomly played it, and she's like, this song is terrible. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you play the remix? <laughs> no, no, I should have. This is what you have to do, y'all. It's if all you... white, and there's Wyclef. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, y'all. Pause this episode right now. Go to YouTube and search Horse and Carriage Remix. If you see a thumbnail of a, like a grayscale video, watch it. It's hilarious. And I used to love this song in 1998. But uh, 15 years later, however much long later, no, almost 20 years later, that song is absolutely terrible in the best way possible. No, because like, you know, if you think about it, Horse and Carriage just comes out at the worst time humanly possible. Why is that? Because Cam made a shiny suit record and even though he had hard records on his album, didn't realize that DMX was going to change the game. Yeah, true. Like and it's spring, because spring 98 have, was not the time to be doing horse and carriage. And it's funny because you have pull it on your album and pull it was like, pull it was huge on the mixtape circuit. Right. But you know, anyway, so what's beef? Um, Remix. Oh, yo, here's the great thing about that song. Okay, hold on, here's the great thing about the video on YouTube. It's like crystal clear 1080p. <laughs> <laughs> out of all the old video, out of all the old videos to get high def for. I mean, which I, I'm 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 thankful they did it. See, which which which, which the where our listeners can't can't see as you played that i started like doing like air keyboard for those keyboard steps boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you gotta and hold on uh uh a note of like 97 98 shiny suit music was the little tinking music the tink 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 you know what i'm saying like yeah that was like in the in the off in the like the off filter scratch oh i noticed that so the the scratch on the last like eight bars to go into the next one that that we i always associate with swiss right because swiss drove that into the ground yeah oh no that was way before swiss it was because it's all over this album yeah mm-hmm. so so what's beef <laughs> yeah sorry what's how, beef? How, how do you feel about what's beef uh it's cool um it's it's a classic record but like you know i've never been crazy about this song hmm. like it's a good song but Eh, it's, it's okay. It's an incredible hook. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, I mean, the beat is crazy. Big is rapping. Like, the song is good. It's just, eh. Okay. Classic song. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
Um, let's talk about the interlude, which is just big rapping over PSK. What does it mean? Yep. So in 97, I had no interest in the song. That's None. funny. I like, I like this in 97. Because in 1997, I had no idea about that School of D record. So I'm like, what is I, this? Sure. Sure. I get that. So, you know, this is, this is okay. I'm not mad at this, but it's fine. I, it's a, it essentially serves the purpose of, um, we have to transition from what's beef to, it does two things. It's, we have to transition from what's beef to, um, the shiniest song on the album. And also I think they were, yeah, I think they, well, the shiniest song on disc one. And I think they were very purposeful and very cautious about the placement of Mo Money, Mo Problems. Mm. Because it's like, we give you what's beef, we give you big rapping over a classic, and then we we put after it two classic storytelling joints. Like, mm-hmm. they were very aware. Like, Mo Money, Mo Problems almost took people aback at how, like, Puff was going for it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's one of those songs where I, I wonder, I wonder if, that would have still worked as a single if Big is alive. Hmm. Because when Big died, everybody, it, first of all, there was this whole, and I'm not, this is not news anybody's listening to this, right? But there was this whole, oh, you know, we've got to, we got to squash the beef, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody, re- even though this album is full of dark, like songs talking about dying and especially the end of this too, which we will get to. I promise. I know we're going, this is going to be a long episode, everybody. Um, like sure every, be, be, <laughs> You know, look at look at your boy Wyclef, right? We're trying to stay alive, mid ninety summer ninety seven. Look at Bad Boy, all these songs. Like people, it was like Pac died, Big died, and everybody was like, "We're gonna make happy records." Yeah, like it was. Let's, all, let's dance our problems away. That's exactly what it was. So, like, if you don't have that, do you still have? First of all, is Mo Money Mo Problems still a single, and does it still work as much as it works? because i i remember i mean maybe this was just like you know people like my friends like in you know was it what was this ninth grade for me like I, the, the fact that it sampled diana ross i'm coming out people were like they were like i don't know this sounds kind of it was like kind of out there it, it was different it was different i remember my father here hearing the record saying yeah they really they, this is a diana ross record right and now when my father was taken aback by samples and i used to play everything around him i remember the day he bought this album Mm. so when i'm hearing when he he hears this sample he's kind of like whoa like this is this is different so yeah i agree that being said this is a classic classic song Mm -hmm. um produced by stevie j and puffy um this is it's kind of hard to remember if you weren't th- like, it's kind of, I'm not kind of hard to remember. It's almost crazy to remember. Like Mace, like exploded out of a cannon. Like not, <laughs> that was, no I, wasn't, I wasn't even trying to make a joke. I promise. I mean, that is the joke, <laughs> but no, like, so is the first time that we hear Mace on the, on the only you remix, like uh, in terms of his, like being on a commercial record, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> and then is the second time. Can't nobody hold me down. I don't know. That's a good question. And then if it is, does that mean the third time is more money, more problems? Because that's ridiculous. I don't know. All right. Mace Wikipedia. Don't do me wrong. Let's see what we got here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I'm looking for that song. You know, I am. Please don't. 
Nope. I totally am. Yeah, so uh I've never what is this song? You ever hear this Just the Way You Like It featuring Tasha Holiday? What what song is that? Yeah, I remember hearing I remember hearing about that song. Hold on, let me Oh hold on, let me let me pull it up. Hold on. It's pro- produced by Stevie J. It's like a fake bad boy song. I remember this. Hold on. Let me see if I can find the hook. It's like a not as good uh, Gina Thompson of the things you do. Yep. I don't even remember that. Yep. Okay, so not everything Mace wrapped on in early 96 was perfect, but still, like... You know, you got to get those out the way. Right. Only you, can't nobody hold me down, more money, more problems. And then Ben around the world. Oh, and then, you know... The remix. And then, and then feel so good, and it's like... You know, why are we doing, why are we doing this episode? I still got beef for Puff. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought about that. Let me tell you, I was so excited because I was going through my Dropbox and I realized I that I I had a crystal clear, full CD quality version of the Ben Around the World remix that I somehow hadn't put in my iTunes yet. And I was like, hmm. We're going to listen to this on the way to the venue. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I know. So anyway, so um, more money, more problems. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know it's a single, but this is a classic verse from Mace. It's a classic record. Classic record. It's it might be a perfect record. Mm. What's what's wrong with the song? Nothing. You know like classic video. Like, classic, class, monumental, momentous, uh, definitive video in hip hop history. Mm. Not just a classic video. It changed things. A lot of things. Um, again, as we as we said earlier, this was the introduction, or the not the introduction, but this was the uh, breakout of the shiny suit era. Literally shiny suits. <laughs> Literal shiny suits. And they had the Air Force. Oh, they had the Air Force One. Those made me get the mid-Air Force Ones. See, mm. the Air Force Ones that people wear now are not the OG <laughs> Air Force Ones. The real Air Force Ones had the they had the bubble check. Yes, the bubble the check. <laughs> they had the, the in this video it's the yellow with the yellow bubble check, right? There's a yellow bubble check and there's a red bubble check. Mm. And I had a na- oh I had the navy blue. Oh, if I could find some Air Force Ones with a navy blue bubble check, bruh. I'm now uh, obviously Googling Air Force One bubble check. Oh, right. Woo! Fire! It's very 97. Very much so. And the funny part is is, is I have a um, I have a 90s party to go to. It's a, it's a surprise birthday party for uh, a friend of mine, his wife. Um, she has listened to the show, so whatever. Um, and it's a 90s party, and I'm like, what am I going to wear? And I have a really big jersey and a do-rag. Because everybody, no, normally everybody does, normally everybody does, like, you know, bright stuff. And, like, no, I want to go to, like, 98 Jay-Z Hard Knock Life Tour era. Mm. But I'm trying to figure out, I, but I, I said that to say, I really wish I had some some Air Force Ones. I have some highs, but I don't have any mids. I feel like you could just put a lot of bandanas on. I could do bandanas. You're right. <laughs> Be I very could. soaked the shocker. Yeah, soldiers. Yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a no limit shirt. I was gonna say you, you just need the jersey from the from the video. 
I listen. It's on my to it's on my to do list. I know where I can get it. <laughs> Master P won't let me down. Puffy, he won't cancel the show for Phantom Surge. Okay, I digress. anyway. Anyway, classic record. Yes. Um, it. So Kelly Price never signed a bad boy, right? No. Is so. What is it? Why don't like? So I I guess is that the reason why she's not credited on here on this hook because that would have done her a big favor. Well, Kelly was doing a lot of writing at the time. Totally. She was doing a lot of um, uh, references and stuff like that. So but, I, I'm not sure why. Like, Puff probably was like, well, who are you? Well, what's amazing is, you know, uh, one of the members of Total sings the hook on Hypnotize. Right. And Puff and did, just, like, come on, Puff. Yeah. Yeah. Pam doesn't get the credit. Yeah. Right. You're right. But no. Cool. Moment of Problems is incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Iconic in every possible you're lying, way. You are lying if you didn't like this song until MTV got a hold of it. You are lying if your first time hearing More Money, More Problems was when you bought the album and you heard track 10 on disc one and you were like, this is trash. You are lying. Now, summer of 97, <laughs> when they decided to play the video every 15 minutes, sure. But prior <laughs> to that, absolutely not. This record is This record was incredible. Yeah. Mace is just out of here. Yeah. Mace was that guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is really bad. This is fun. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about uh, uh, Brova's Bleed. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm sorry. Niggas Bleed. Yep. Um, um, produced by yeah. 6 July, Stevie J, Nasheen Merrick, mm-hmm. Puffy. 6 July. Mm. Mm. Can we get him for Kairos too, please? <laughs> Can we? Can I afford a 6 July beat? Uh, Classic whisper sample. Um, Yeah, this is like, like Big is really like, he's like, oh, you want to see storytelling? Dude. I got storytelling. This is freaking cinematic. You know, classic. I think this is the first story in hip hop history to have layers to it. A lot of it. Where it could have had um, like spinoff stories. Mm. He briefly touches on characters. He introduces them, says where he knows them from, and then gets back to the story. When he could really talk about uh, Gloria from Astoria and the war that he went to, that right. that he had with her people in 91. Totally could do that. Incredible beat. Um, just, it's not like, it's not even storytelling for the, like at the expense of the song too. Like great hook, like, just the structure to it. Yeah. Big is like, again, it's no accident that they, like, I think they really wanted to end this first disc strong. Yeah. And they did. Hmm. Cause it's really, I mean, if depending on how you count that interlude, it's really only got 10 songs. Mm-hmm. They kind of stretched to get that toy. They wanted it to be two twelve, you know, two twelve track discs, but, um, but no, well, at least they didn't masterpiece. <laughs> right. Masterpiece like 24, masterpiece like two discs, only 24 songs. <laughs> I fit 24 songs on one CD. Right, Master P puts out a, a three disc, you know, seventy five track. <laughs> hey, shout the shout the eight ball. Oh yeah, <laughs> eight balls like two discs. How about three? Stop making me laugh, my back. <laughs> <laughs> Although if he's lucky, depending on how his contract was worded, he's like, "You signed me to seven. Guess what? Three going out the door right now." <laughs> I'm halfway done. Right. Take that, Suave House. Right. Somebody, so, some rapper goes to his record label. All right, I got an idea. It's a seven-disc album. 
Follow me here. Follow me here. <laughs> we start. I'm a child. You know, it's like that whole story. <laughs> Oh, oh, this to the adolescent years. Right. 6'3", uh, pre- <laughs> my preteen age. Right, I was going to say, disc four, guess what? How my parents met. It's like, all right, let's just <laughs> Also, it's like it's like The Wire with those, uh, That's exactly those episodes. They had the, 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 what was it, like a, a, dang, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like a prelude or a. Prelude, yeah, with yeah. Prop Joe and, who was the other one on? Omar? Yeah. Okay. Yep. One of those. <laughs> How my parents met. <laughs> Disc five. <laughs> Disc six. The college years. <laughs> like, like a, right. I was gonna say, like it's a spinoff of a successful TV show. <laughs> yes, it's Saved by the Bell. The college years. All right. Anything else you want to say about this this song? Nah, just incredible storytelling from Big. Well, real quick, I'll ask you. Like, what is it? I mean, because he he's, he was known for storytelling anyway. Like, um, you know, mm-hmm. but whether it's warning or whatever, like, was there something particular about this? Is it just the fact that, like, it's not really just one straight out story? Yeah, he's he his storytelling is is crazy because with most hip hop storytelling, it's linear. Um, and I mean, even even with warning, because you make a good point, because big what big would do is he would introduce characters and then immediately get back to the story. Um, mm. my nigga, fame up in prospect. Nah, then my niggas not nah, love wouldn't disrespect. So why wouldn't they disrespect? Why why would why would he why would he know that they wouldn't try to rob him? What's the backstory? He doesn't even get into it. He can have a whole different conversation, a whole different story about his relationship with fame up in prospect. Hmm. So um with this, there's so many different moving pieces because Big is allowed to stay in one place on warning. And sort of all the characters come to him, but on niggas bleed, he's all over the place. Yeah, he's gotta he's gotta set up his crew, he's gotta set up the hotel, he's gotta set up the people that he's trying to rob, he's gotta set up innocent bystanders. He's setting up all this stuff, and then the end is just so anticlimactic, but it's so genius. It's just great writing. I agree. <laughs> uh, let's talk about I got a story to tell. Yeah. Um, produced by Buck Wild, uh, Chucky Thompson, and uh, Puff. Um, it's funny. This might be my favorite storytelling song on the album. I'm not mad at that. We, actually, really, I mean, so the, you know, beat. You know, the drums are a classic Al Green uh, sample. The um, you know, famously used later on on Dead Wrong. Um, but uh, I think is it. I think it's it's either Buck Wild or um or Chucky Thompson. I can't remember who. So that that guitar melody was originally um, was originally a sample, and they couldn't clear it or something. So either Buckwild or Chucky Thompson literally just like picked up the guitar and like started playing around and basically like recreated it more or less, and you know just out of nowhere, which is pretty dope. But what I love about the song, I like, so I love the beat. What I love about it is like, so it's a, it's a great story. It's a hilarious story. But then honestly, this is a case where the outro like is so great in a way, like because he tells the story. And then he tells it again. And if I were to tell you that I'm listening to a song where the same story is told twice, you'd be like, well, that's kind of stupid, but it totally works. And it, to me, makes this feel all the more, all the more real, Mm -hmm. but I just love this record. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, what, what can I say? Right. What can I say? I mean, the, the, the record's classic. Poor Anthony Um, Mason. Poor Anthony Mason. 
The storytelling is great. Even the end where he runs it back and basically tells the story that, that he just read. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I love that part. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And a great end to, I think it's a great end to disc two. I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. disc one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you want to say? So, like, with a few, like, nitpicks, like, disc one is ridiculous. Yeah. Like front to back. We hope you enjoyed Side A of this week's episode. Please check out Side B at clackradiospeakers.com.